welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Dr. Samaria M. Colbert. I am the founder of Kingdom Creative Counseling. I'm a licensed therapist, I'm a published author, and I'm an entrepreneur, and I give you faith-based principles to bring about lasting change. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that uh, is one of my passions. For those who don't know, I have an assignment from God that is to teach, that is to train, and that is to educate. And so aside from being a mental health therapist, if you really look at some of uh, my information, again, go to my website, www.drsamaricobra.com. You will find resources that are in line with that assignment. Even when I do like YouTube and things, I'm always teaching. Um, I have a training uh, program. I have uh, a consulting business that I have recently launched called, called trainingchristianleaders.com or transformingchristianleaders.com, either one. And so my assignment and my, my passion, obviously, is teaching you faith-based principles. And so I'm going to talk to you in line with, uh, with that assignment. We're going to talk about discipleship, discipleship. Now, as a, as a caveat here, a disclaimer, whenever I give you faith-based principles, people naturally assume faith-based principles, church, faith-based principles, church. Well, one of my assignments really is to uh, to uh, really assist individuals who are like in the vein that I'm in. You are a working professional who operates in a non-Christian world. And then how do you show up as a faith-based person or Christian in that world, in that space that sometimes may be very um, uh, oppositional or um, uh, to uh, faith or, or, or Christianity, okay? And so um, that's kind of the vein by which I'm talking today. So discipleship really is a biblical term, but however, the world now is has kind of jumped on this mentorship bandwagon and uh, mentorship and, 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 um, and, and, and this kind of development is like a big thing, but it originated from the Bible. Um, they don't call it discipleship. They call it mentoring. They call it uh, leadership development, all kinds of things. Um, this is something I'm very passionate about. So we're going to talk about what is it? Why is it needed? Principles that govern discipleship and the difference between the worldview and the Christian view. Now, uh, I almost didn't do this. Let me tell you why. <laughs> um, this is something I'm very passionate about. All of my dissertations, I have done something along the lines of leadership development. It was not mental health related. It was leadership development. I did comparative analysis and did a lot of research on the difference between a Christian view and a, a secular worldview. So having said that, that caveat is I have more information than I have time. So today I may go over some principles. I'm going to give you very, very basic foundation. At a different time, it may not be the next uh, uh, teaching that I do because I have something else planned, but eventually I'm going to get to the point where I give you a lot more information. This is going to be heavy on principle when I do part two or part three or whatever I do that, whenever I do that, I will give you more practical application. But again, this is all principle, okay? So let's start by talking about this. When we think of discipleship within the body of Christ, hold on, Holy Spirit, I thank you for today. Lord, uh, let us allow, let us hear from you concerning this matter in Jesus' name, amen. So let's just talk. So <laughs> when we talk about discipleship, okay, or what it means to be discipled, most people have a Christian worldview or a church worldview, and we naturally assume, right, we naturally assume that, um, which is nothing wrong with that, but I want you to expand your, your, uh, your definitions here, okay? We assume discipleship means how do you disciple someone for, to Christ? How do you develop someone to Christ? How do you uh, not only bring them to Christ, but how do we help people to have a, a firm relationship with Christ through discipleship? And that is that is great. That is that is one definition, but it is not the only definition. When I 
when I talk about discipleship, I'm talking about how do you train people? How do you develop? How are you developed as an individual? And if you're called to like maybe lead or develop other people, how do you do that? What is the strategy? Okay. So I, I, don't, I want you to go, go outside of that because, you know, again, I, I can tell you how to get to God and, 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 and develop a strong faith, but that, that's not my assignment here today. I'm talking to business and, and ministry professionals who show up in a secular world through your practice, through your skill, through your ability, through your career, and how do you disciple others to be successful uh, in, their, in their chosen field of practice, okay? So when you're a disciple, you are, you're committed to tr training. Uh, you are committed to be developed into your trade or your skill, uh, and you learn from another, particularly a teacher who is more experienced or knowledgeable than you. It's so ironic. I went to church today. My pastor talked about something very, very similar. So here's that you can have a talent, you have a skill, you can have an ability. It still has to be developed. Now, um, <laughs> it still has to be developed, even like your spiritual gifts, your prophetic gifts, uh, in my opinion, your prophetic gifts, your spiritual gifts. Um, the more you develop that through time and through study, the better you will be. Uh, we develop our spiritual gifts through reading the word of God. Obviously, the same kind of principle studying from people who do it better than you, that kind of thing. Um, and so even when it comes to your professional career, the, the, the better you are developed or, and you commit to your own development and then you reach out to people who help to develop you, uh, the better of a clinician or whatever you, uh, your field of practice is. Uh, you will be. I'm a clinician, so I may say clinician, but you can transfer this over to whatever your field of practice is. For those who don't know, maybe you're listening to this and you're not a therapist. Therapist, we just don't show up one day trying to be a therapist, okay? You got to go to school, <laughs> which is, again, training and development. We have to do practicals and internships. What is that? Training and development. After we graduate, we get a professional, a provisional license. Okay, what is that? Committed to, to sitting under someone for training and development. Then you get 2,000 or 3,000 hours which um, for some people, for some, uh, depending upon your clinical license, some people's 2,000 uh, clinical hours, some people's 3,000 clinical hours. Um, and again, I think mine's, I think my, I believe, it's been long, I've been fully licensed for a long time. I, I want to say it's 3,000, but I don't even remember that. <laughs> so but you generally takes about two, two and a half years and you sit under a, a fully licensed clinician uh, for those two years under your professional license. And then they helped again to develop you. You meet pretty regularly, uh, weekly uh, supervision, sometimes monthly supervisions. And again, you're, you're committed to being an effective therapist. Uh, for those who don't know, after you get your full clinical license, it's just not a terminal license. That means it's not eternal, okay? That simply means that every four, every two years, we have to renew our license and then we have to uh, get, continue education units what is that that means we are committed we have to be as a profession committed to training developing your skill developing your ability and staying current in your field of practice so you can be the best clinician you can be that is how, that's just one form i'll get if you are a different form of of training and development, if you have a different career path, if you're a different type of human services field, there should be some level of discipleship. So even though it's not considered discipleship, we call it clinical supervision, we call it mentorship, whatever you call it, uh, uh, however you call it, it still boils down to mean the same thing. Okay, when you are a disciple, when you are discipled, you are committing to that, you are submitted to that. When you disciple, a disciple, excuse me, is a student, okay? who has been, he's been trained. Uh, it is someone who is developed and they're being developed for the most part to lead. Um, one of the things that Jesus did was he was a teacher. He will be referred to rabbi teacher. And if you look at his disciples, okay, he had, you know, obviously four disciples, 
his his path and 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 the path that he took was to train and to develop them so they can so they can do the work that he was sent to do okay and so jesus was a great developer or a trainer or a great teacher he was being he was developing the disciples to be to do greater he said greater work shall you do i'm gonna leave here is what he's saying and then i'm still i'm not gonna leave you without a comforter but i'm teaching you skill i'm teaching you i'm developing your ability i'm developing your skill now uh, i'm not gonna post this here but in my dissertation i i said that even when Jesus chose his disciples, he was very strategic about who he chose. And there was a chart that I found, which again, I gave, I gave reference to that talks about the different types of skill sets that the, the, the apostles had, their personality types, and how that would be used as a disciple in Jesus. All of them didn't have the same function. All of them did not have the same personality type, but it was all an effective use for the body of Christ. However, it still had to be developed. Okay, so let's get heavy on principle, right? We're going to heavy on principle. I'm going to talk about application later, okay? To be discipled is not limited to church. <laughs> I got ahead of my notes. I do it every time. I get ahead of my notes. <laughs> it's not limited to being uh, discipled to Christ and Christ alone. But again, that is uh, to, 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 when you come to Christ, I mean, it's just, you just need to be discipled as well. Okay. But I'm not saying it's not limited to that. Okay. Again, I said, it also means to be developed into your skill, into your trade based upon your unique skill and ability. Okay. Now for me, because I am a therapist in the field, right. And I've been there for so long. Okay. I started, I think my first job in the mental health field, it was in 2005, 2006. It is 2022. I am very well capable. <laughs> <laughs> of teaching someone a little something you know what i'm saying these i don't be coming up with these books and writing these courses because i just need some income i'm i'm qualified to do what i do and i'm going to talk to you about this in later on in our session here how um if you say there's a whole trend here i'm trying to get ahead of myself there's a whole trend here of, of people just wanting to just develop people and you want to mentor people you can just go through and get a little certificate you want to mentor people but to what <laughs> what are you what qualifies you to mentor somebody you understand what i'm saying so i'm just i'm just saying but it is to cause someone to produce okay it is it's based on intentional strategy 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 um and 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 so it's really important be, that we have an intentional strategy um because this term you know spiritual development and leadership development develop people into their coaching and, and into their business and things like that people now because it's big business to develop people are trying to develop people who have not who, who are not qualified to develop if you have not accomplished anything what are you developing someone into and y'all be paying these fees for people who have not proven themselves. Okay, I had someone I knew years ago, no shade to the person. They would say, I'm called to, to father people and develop them. And th but the person had not really, a, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not knocking. I'm just telling you that you have to align yourself with people who are qualified to take you because you cannot take someone where you have not gone. Okay. And you'll find people like that. They need validation. They need, they haven't really accomplished uh, yet, but they're, they're called a spiritual parent, someone and develop someone into what, what have you accomplished that qualifies? So you had to qualify to be the professor. Come on, saying you got to qualify to be a teacher. Okay. 
Okay. All right. So uh, another principle is Genesis 1.11, a tree produces after its own kind. A tree produces after its own kind. You will have time when you've been successful and when you have produced something, then you can produce that in someone else. Okay, it does not mean you created people who look just like you and they do what you do, but your results can be implemented in someone else, but you have to have your own results. Okay, all right. The key, now this, this is something I did study again, organizational leadership, love it. Haven't walked fully into full capacity of what that is, but that is my heart to study that. The key to organizational development is, the key to organizational, excuse me, leadership, organizational leadership, okay? Your business, your practice, whatever, is growth and development. It's growth and development. You must produce in others what you have been producing yourself. You have a pattern. You have a resume. You have, uh, uh, you have uh, results that we can see. You have produced something, okay? And then after that, you then implement that in someone else. If there are, oh, okay, okay, okay. if not, there are barriers to growth, which includes stagnation, okay? If you have not fully have a pattern and you don't know the direction you're taking, you're taking within yourself or your organization, you it results in stagnation, okay? Okay, okay, to not disciple others. After you have proven your own successes, Okay, you do not decide to be a mentor because of someone's program and you get a certificate saying that you can mentor somebody. That's how we do it here today, not, not here, not here, okay? Um, but again, after you have grown and you you say, I, I've, I've got some results here, but to disciple or to not disciple, excuse me, from an organizational standpoint is to commit to demise and sabotage. If your organization does not grow or does not have a teaching development training component to it. You are committing your organization, your business, your practice to demise, sabotage, and then eventually failure. Hey, that's not hard. Okay, we have, we have you on the principle today. We're not doing application today. Just have you on the principle. Remember, every franchise started as a single store. Most franchises started as a single store, okay? Every business for the most started for the most part started as a single business or maybe you and another partner, but it started as a small, most times started as a small business. Well, let me give an example of what happens when we don't commit to growth. For those who don't know, uh, the McDonald's brother, the famous, um, I think it's Richard McDonald and Maurice McDonald. Y'all know McDonald's, you know, the fries, Big Macs, you know, chicken nuggets. <laughs> the broke down um uh what is it called uh, ice cream machines sunday machines is always broke <laughs> well mcdonald's started as a single store in san bernardino san bernardino california okay um and it was very successful they started a new innovative way of serving people and they came up with a machine i can't remember what machine it was that was able to serve people fairly quickly. And they did another strategy of not having a whole bunch of stuff on their menu, kept it simple and the food was good. They were very successful. There was a salesman named Ray Kroc, okay? Ray Kroc had a wonderful idea to expand McDonald's brand because he thought, wow, y'all have done this. We could implement this all around the world. They initially agreed to work with Ray Kroc. <laughs> uh, however, Ray 
and the McDonald's brothers had conflict, okay? They had conflict. The brothers were very, a little bit more resistant to some of Ray's ideas from what we hear, from, from the narrative that we got, okay? Depending upon what story you read, you're going to get a different narrative. Some people say Ray Kroc was crooked. Some people say that the McDonald's brothers were not committed to growth, and so they got left behind. I, you know, we don't we don't know the whole story. It's a book called, there's a book, no, it's, it's a book, I think it's a book, but it's actually a movie called The Founders. And you kind of can, you know, obviously when someone writes a book, you're not going to get the full narrative. You get the one that's going to glamorize the story, okay? But it's called The Founders. So, but Ray Kroc was met with, from what we understand, allegedly now, was met with some opposition from the McDonald's brothers because they were committed to not, they, they, there's certain things that they needed to stay the same. While Ray was going on, like, he was like, listen, we got we to gotta do this. We got to move forward, Okay. Ray Kroc eventually funded, <laughs> founded what was called the McDonald's system. Now he, he was using, listen, listen there, the McDonald's name, <laughs> their strategy. I think some of their machines, I believe. Uh, but he didn't find this was not his idea. He was not in the fast food business prior to meeting the McDonald's, uh, the McDonald's uh, brothers, okay? Six years later, we don't know how this all went happen. Six years later, he brought the exclusive rights to the McDonald's name and their operating system under, under the uh, without the brothers, the the McDonald's initial brothers' permission. He brought the. I mean, he 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 established another company, similar name, same name, basically. Uh, they ended up having a lawsuit. Uh, I believe I read that um, the Ray brothers, the, excuse me, the, the McDonald's brothers were only given 1% royalty to uh, to Ray's company, the McDonald's something, McDonald's system, something like that, okay? So he basically, um, I don't know if he bought them out. I'm not sure if they, I think, you know, whatever. So he basically, for what they ended up negotiating, because Ray got sued, he only got 1%, one, they only got 1% royalty to the McDonald's franchise, 1% payout. I think it was like 1.9 million. Now, Ray at his death now was, was this is McDonald's store y'all see everywhere, was worth about $600 million at his death. And I believe he passed away, I believe I want to say in the 80s, maybe 80s or 90s, I'm not sure, but he was worth $600 million. The Ray brothers, the McDonald's brothers, excuse me, who initially founded these re the restaurant and this innovative way of delivering service got basically bought out <laughs> and only got 1%. Now, 1.9 million is a, is, a, is a good amount of money. But when your idea, your company, and something you have found it really was worth billions of dollars, you know, that's a whole problem. Okay. Um, Ray founded a billion. Well, he didn't found. He, he, he stole... <laughs> so allegedly a billion dollar company uh when his wife passed away she was a multi-billionaire mcdonald's y'all so what happened first off from a business perspective this is not a business uh, uh uh talk today make sure you trademark trademark patent and copyright your stuff okay if you come just just go ahead and go through the trademark process but it is said it is said it is said that one of the downfalls of the McDonald's brothers was their inability to grow. And it is said that, they, that it was first their idea, Ray was going to work with them as a partner, but he came up with opposition. 
because they refused to grow. They wanted things to stay the same and raised all the, putting all these restaurants everywhere. And they start saying, wait a minute here. Wait a minute. Who knows the real story? Okay. And again, you can reference that movie, The Founders. What am I saying? From a, from a leadership development uh, um, position, from an organizational development position, you must commit to grow. And grow is not going to happen just because. It's going to grow based upon a strategy. Based upon a strategy. Why is this needed? Because everything that you want to produce in life, everything, it must grow. If you want to be in a relationship, it must grow. If you want to be the best clinician that you can possibly be, you must commit to growth. If you want to be the best minister that you want to be, you must commit to growth. If you want a million dollar company, you must commit to growth. If you just want to have a sustainable small business, you must commit to growth. But watch this. Growth does not happen absent from development. Listen to me. Growth in your individual self, in your business and your practice and in your organization does not, it does not happen. Growth does not happen absent from development. Growth does not happen absent from the development. And discipleship is a huge, huge, huge component to that. Huge. You know, it's, 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 it's hard to develop no okay let me not let me not i'm getting ahead of myself here all right let's do some more principles here before i let you go to today okay when you are a disciple it it means you are committed to your own growth and your own development and the development of others when i am discipled as a clinician when i was sitting under my supervisors when i was uh, going to school i was committing to my own growth but i was also committing to the people that i will that will come to my practice and also the people that will come behind me that I will provide on development services for I'm committing to them, even though I don't know them. Like when I was in school, I didn't know the clients that I was going to see. I, I hypothetically, I had a general idea based upon what my, what my specialty was, but I didn't know who they were. The people that I may clinically supervise, I don't know who they are. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, uh, as of yet. So not, I don't I don't have any supervisors currently. I do I do, do clinical supervision, but as, as of right now, currently I don't have these people because uh, I'm not doing it currently, right? As of right now. All right. Um, the people that invest in uh, my consulting business when I was starting it again. So when you when you say I'm going to be a disciple, well, I'm going to be discipled, and then I'm eventually going to disciple others you're committing to internal, individual, business, organization, and so on, so forth and so on. Listen to me, if you ever wanna follow a great leader, all great leaders committed to first being developed first. All great leaders were great students first. All great leaders were developed effectively first. Now I wanna quantify this, I wanna clarify this. Just because someone has high numbers and is successful in business does not mean that they are a great leader. Okay, just because someone has, we, 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 social media is, is like the delusion. 
we think because someone has hundreds of thousands of social media followers or they have um, a platform that they are a great leader and that's not necessarily the case, okay? To be effective, we must be effective. We must be effectively led, we must effectively lead, we must effectively submit. So discipleship doesn't happen absent from submission. Discipleship does not happen absent from submission. To be developed is not vague. It comes with a strategic plan. Again, I, I, I mentioned this. I've, I've seen people say, hey, I'm, I'm called to uh, father other people. I'm called to develop other people. And one, there's no spiritual resume. There's no past that, that kind of, you know, you can, you can say I'm called to that. That's fine. Uh, eventually you're going to be called to that. But what, what, what have you done? Where are you taking people? What is your plan? Okay, so um, to be discipled and to be a discipler uh, comes with a plan with the end goal in mind. Okay, within that plan, we, we also identify the roadmap, uh, some of the barriers that we may face, uh, what is what, what we're working towards, but it always comes with the end goal in mind. Okay, you cannot develop someone where you, where you have never been, and you must uh, commit to develop someone. Uh, you must, when you're developing someone else, you're trying to develop them to be greater than you. Okay, proper placement is key. It simply means this when God connects you with someone that you're going to disciple. Okay, or um, or you want to be uh, mentored or things in nature, there has to be a divine connection, meaning I have to have something in me that I can implement in you. We have to, and, and I have to see something in you that I can work with. I cannot develop everyone because I'm not well-versed or trained in everything. I can teach you about how to start a business. I can teach you effective business strategies. I can teach you how to write a, a book. I can teach you how to be a great clinician. These are things I can teach you and develop you because I've already walked these paths myself, okay? Proper development is not a business strategy alone. It's not a business strategy alone, okay? Remember, process and progress, it takes time. However, it does not mean that we can be complacent. So what happens when we have the end goal in mind, we start here, but, and you may have times where you're making, you feel like you're making slow progress and that is okay. But remember, it's not, it is not a time of complacency. Barriers to effective being a discipler and being discipled, which is the student, is past, uh, is past emotional wound, which is again, kind of what I love to do is, uh, is identifying them. Because what happens is if you, let's say, for example, you had a traumatic childhood or you had issues with your, with your natural father and you've never resolved them, when you get to a mentorship relationship or even with a supervisor or a supervisee, that'll show up and it can present as a barrier if you don't work through it, okay? Um, oh, so let me reference my book. <laughs> this is my book I wrote, Broken Trying to Lead, A Transformational Healing for Wounded Leaders. I love this book. Shameless plug, clickbait. <laughs> this is my book called Broken Trying to Lead. Uh, and I, and I, I, again, put on my therapist hat, someone that, you know, 
uh, I I talked about in day. You said this is a good. You're not gonna be able to finish this in a day, okay? That's you're gonna be writing books. But what happens is, um, because a lot of the people that I counsel within my practice are working professionals, uh, and um, business and ministry leaders, I came up with this book because there are lots of times where we have emotional wounds that prevent us to be from being effective leaders within our fields of practice. Okay, I'm gonna post a link to this as well. I am going to try to post a ch- like chapter one for free. I, I'm going to try to do that. Uh, if that doesn't happen, if y'all don't see it, I wasn't able to do it. Um, but if you go to one of my website links, um, trainingchristianleaders.com, there is a link there. If I, if I can't post it below, there's a link there. It says chapter one of Broken Triangle. You can download free copies. I'm going to try to post it under here for watching via YouTube. Um, I might not be able to do it because I'm not sure how to do it, but I will figure it out. If it's not, if it's not there, just go to the website. <laughs> and I'll post the website link as well. Okay. Okay. We can't disciple. Um, you cannot be a discipler. So let me clarify I'm, I'm getting to, you cannot disciple or develop someone else if you are not an effective teacher you have to be a teacher however to be discipled you must commit to be taught okay and there are people <laughs> believe it or not y'all who are um who are not who don't want to be taught who cannot be taught i've had experiences like this people who know it all why are you in my office I'm not in my, why are you asking me questions if you already know everything why are you asking me business advice if you, if you know it if you, if you already know it where 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 is it? Because I can't see it. I can't. I said this before. I can't stand when someone asks me questions or you have I know it all type of mentality when you have no fruit. I got fruit over here. I'm just saying. I ain't bragging. I'm just saying. And you come. Well, I know this. I don't know. I know this. You know. What I'm saying. I just. If you can't be taught, you can't be successful. Okay. You have to submit yourself to being taught. And if you want to develop others, you must be a great teacher. That means you have to articulate yourself. You have to be able to communicate and you have to be able to teach people what you know. Okay. All right. What else we got here? Um, so remember, um, there's so, there's so much more. Again, uh, I did so much research on this um and committed completed my dissertations and all that um but again if we're going to if we're going to be developed if we're going to be effective leaders if we're going to be effective uh entrepreneurs if we're going to be effective clinicians we must commit to be taught we must commit to learn we must commit to develop our own uh, passion skills and abilities we have to commit to that and a part of that means to be discipled and once you continue to see rapid growth or growth in general, you have to implement that in other people because you get to the point where you can't do it alone and you need a team. Okay, so disciples and disciplers, disciples, disciplers, there's a boatload more I can say, um, but I will continue this discussion for another day, another time. I definitely want to um, give you more principles, give you more application. And I want to talk to you about um, which is another thing I studied, the difference between the worldview of discipley and the Christian view. I'm going to give you this little tidbit. One of the major differences is that I researched is the issue of the cross, the issue of the cross. When you are in a worldview, the motive is success by, uh, by what we can see, uh, numbers, uh, monetary uh, successes, um, actual um tangible things that make us successful 
Uh, this is why you have people on social media with their nice cars and their and their stacks of money and 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 telling what they've accomplished and things of that nature because the worldview says uh, if I'm going to be successful, this is what is, is what success means in the kingdom of God. That is not the case, and the, one of the major issues is that the issue of the cross and the issue of pain. When you are discipled. Even in your field of practice, you must also understand how pain and how persecution uh, must be a part of yourself as someone who disciples and someone who leads others. Uh, I asked the question in my dissert, one of my dissertations, I asked, what happens when we have Christian leaders who are not effectively, um, who don't effectively understand the issue of the cross as it relates to developing leaders? And then when you are bold about your faith and that issue of persecution and the cross is not even discussed or even, or even, uh, or even taught about, you may be blindsided and not necessarily be as effective as you should be because you don't understand the issue of the cross and pain and how that presents itself. All right, so I'm gonna I'm leave you on that cliffhanger because <laughs> this is what I love. I love this stuff. I love this stuff. But I still, and I can't believe it or not, I still counsel people on this stuff because a lot of the clients that I see who experience depression, anxiety, stress, worry, all these kind of things that may necessarily sometimes it's because of the issue of the cross and not understanding that as they were developed into their field of practice and into their success as, as professionals. But I'm gonna end on that cliffhanger, okay? I'm gonna end on that cliffhanger. There's gonna be more to come. It's not gonna be the next one. I have another one already planned um, that I'm gonna do next, but just stay tuned, follow me, uh, hit the subscription box, but also hit the notification bell. And then uh, when that when that happens next, um, um, you will be um, notified, okay? All right, so if you know a little bit more about me, uh, com for my um, Christian therapists and other people who are interested in what I have to say concerning uh, development. You can go to www.transformingchristianleaders.com or www.trainingchristianleaders.com. Get you to the same website. <laughs> and then my private practice that is called Kingdom Creative Counseling. You can go to that website at www.kingdomcreativecounseling.com. All right, we'll be back in a day and a banger. Bye. <laughs>